Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of Ministry Misfits. I'm finally back in the Yay. studio again today. Yay. Andrew's still been here holding it down strong. Well, it's not Yay. like I can go anywhere. Sure, so. you live here. I was about to say, I, unless we I have to here. just you know walk up the steps. But yes, you're back. <laughs> you're you're finally here. You do exist. Yes. And you did miss a little bit of fun. I know. I'm sorry, Greg. Yes, you did miss some fun. We got to surprise Greg with the live stream with some comments from from some of you as well. And you also missed because of the fact that you still have not figured out how to unlock Twitter. International Podcast Day was this past Friday if you're listening to this or on the day of release. It was this past Friday. So, we went ahead and every hour released well not released we promoted i not one of our episodes from the past two seasons however many episodes that is because you know we don't know yeah um and so spotify i don't even know spot well we need to talk about spotify that reminds me i'll remind you if you're listening on spotify go to one of our social media pages and say yes i'm here because we're trying to figure this out that's a whole long yeah so, anyway, yes, go go check out all the Interna- or International Podcast Day posts that we did. Go see what, what ones we chose out as some of, some of our favorites. Um, a lot of history stuff, a lot of um, just general church-related topics, um, some of some fun that we've had over the past however long it's been. Year and a half. Whatever. Two years, something you know. like that, yeah. Also, don't forget, you can go to the merch shop. We got some new stuff in there as well. But today, we are talking about... Promises. Promises. And so, we are going to walk through promises of God, promises we make to God, and why any of this actually matters to the stuff that we normally talk about. Yeah, part of of this came from having a conversation with uh, Joe from Brew Pastors, who was on season one, and just kind of talking with him of how much greater it is for us to rely on God's promises that he keeps and will keep versus us creating promises for ourselves that we are sometimes wishy-washy on. So that is kind of where this stemmed from, this idea in trying to take it a step further so we're gonna we'll start out here we need to do what we always do and define what we're actually talking about so brandon did you happen to look up what the definition of a promise is i didn't okay that's okay because i did well i've kind of got one here it's a, a vow or pledge to take action or assurance that something will definitely happen the key word there is assurance the the easiest way to define it out of the dictionary is just it's a declaration of assurance. Mm-hmm. So I have declared that this will happen and I'm going to make sure it does happen. In the biblical sense, the the Hebrew word would be Omar, which just means it's a promise speech. It's a promised thing. It's a promise word. This is something that is a spoken promise. And so it's it's a very intentionally spoken. Your word is your bond type of thing. Mm-hmm. 
How many times do you think that shows up in the Old Testament, Brandon? As far as Omar is concerned? I'm going to say 54 times. There's no way I'm right. Six. Ah. (laughs) In the Greek, and I am not going to get this one right, it's epigalame or something like that. And that is to proclaim a promise. Hmm. So we're literally basically in the the English declara- or English definition of we are proclaiming, we are declaring assurance of something. How many times do you think that shows up in the New Testament? Twelve. Close. I won't buzz you. That's close. Fifteen. Okay. So total amount of times that that word is actually used explicitly is only about 21 times within scripture. But yet, we hear a lot about the promises of God, and you know, there's the whole hymn, Standing on the Promises. Mm-hmm. So why is it used a handful of times throughout the entirety of scripture? Why do you think that is, Brandon? Well, typically it's God speaking to somebody uh, or through his word of saying this is going to happen. And basically making that promise without saying the word of, I will do this. I will. There's a, you're, you're getting close, but the issue is that a promise is just a spoken word, right? Mm -hmm. That's not that binding, even though within more of the Hebrew definition, it is a more binding type of thing. There's something more binding than a promise. Are we at covenant? We're at covenant. Good job. There we go. (laughs) So, yes, a covenant, which within English would be a legal agreement. This is a contract. In Hebrew, that word is barath. How many times do you think that shows up in the Old Testament? I'm going to say five. 254. Just a little off. Just a little. (laughs) You were not even as close as, uh, yeah, you were even closer with the first one. In the Greek, it's diteki which means a testament, a will, or a covenant. How many times do you think that shows up? New Testament, so there's not as many before okay. you guess 250. <laughs> 84. No. 33. <laughs> so, in comparison, though, you've got 288 times that the word covenant explicitly shows up compared to 21 times that the word promise does. Mm-hmm. Why is that such a big deal for us? That's a good question. Um, I don't know if I really have an answer to. I mean, I could start with the importance of God fulfilling those covenants. Well, why is it important? Because a covenant is different than a promise. A covenant is a. Like a binding. It's a a legally binding contract. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's there's consequences uh, of, of attached not to not it. completing it. Yeah, promises. You know, it just could, depends. Could, could it, have there can, but it doesn't necessarily right. The the police happen. are involved. Yeah, right. There's no there's no legal aspect to this. So when we talk about a covenant, if God is going out of His way to make a covenant with His people. It's something we need to take very seriously because obviously God takes it very seriously. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we've already talked about the fact that we think dispensationalists are nuts. 
and that's being nice. <laughs> so we are, bear in mind as you're listening, we are not suddenly switching to dispensationalism. But the one thing dispensationalism does help us understand is the fact that we have examples of major covenant actions in the Old Testament and the New Testament. And so, Brandon, we'll we'll see how many you can get here, and I we'll, we'll just we'll just go go through. There are seven main. Well, hang on, math. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Sorry, there are eight main covenants in the Old Testament. How many of them can you think of? Just going through what you know about the Bible, eight major covenants in the Old Testament. What are they? Um. One would be with Noah. Yes. Um, one would be with Abraham. Yes. Um, one with Daniel. No. Okay, I thought that would would be would be one. Um, I mean, we have. I don't know if it would be. I guess this is trying to think through myself. If it's a covenant or promise with Adam and Eve, which part? There's the initial, at least one of the the tree. Of well, that wasn't a covenant. That was just say, "Don't touch it." Yes. (laughs) (laughs) It's like just don't touch it. There's a problem if you touch it. But what happens after they touch it? The, uh, or eat it. I mean, yeah, yeah. Well, the one, the one prom, well, kind of promise. I forget where it's, it's kind of stems from, but basically, all of us descendants thereafter are born into sin. Well, that's a curse. But there's a piece to Genesis three though that has a covenant, right? We talked about this during Mary Misfits of this idea of you, one of your offspring will destroy this the curse. Hmm. Well, you know. He will stomp his head, bruise his heel, all those sort of things. That would be a covenant. God is saying, one of your descendants is going to come and restore what you have lost. So that actually is really the first covenant that we see is out of Genesis 3. There's a curse that's given, but the curse is the punishment for what they did right there. The covenant that is made is that God is going to reverse it eventually. After that, the next one is actually with Seth. Mm. So after Adam and Eve get kicked out of the garden, who's Seth? Be their son. Their third son, right? You've got Cain and Abel. Cain kills Abel because he's jealous. Cain is sent away and, and exiled. That's his punishment. He's now in exile. So now you've got Adam and Eve with no kids. God gives them another son named Seth, and that is who God says is going to be the pro- who through everybody else is coming. Then you already got Noah, which mm-hmm. Noah's covenant is what? Basically from the flood that he won't with the rainbow. The rainbow, right? Yeah. I'm not going to flood the earth again, mm-hmm. at least not all at once. <laughs> then you have one that you were hinting at and you, you got dinged for it because you're correct. <laughs> but there are actually three different Abram, Abraham covenants. Because the first covenant is with Abram. 
God tells him to get up and go. He goes and God says, you are going to be a great nation, right? Mm-hmm. All of, all of that. Then it happens again. God reestablishes it, but he renames him Abraham and establishes a new part of this covenant, which is? Would be his, his many sons, basically. No, circumcision. Uh, okay. The part that we don't want to deal with. <laughs> Right. Circumcision is part of the covenant of Abraham. But then there's a third one with with Abraham in Genesis 17. Now, in Genesis 17, this is where we get the promise of Isaac. He's messed up with Hagar. God is saying, I already told you I'm going to do this with you because it's a covenant. Right. Mm -hmm. But then there's something else that happens in Genesis 17. Do you know what that might be? Abram, God puts Abram to sleep and gives him a vision. I don't remember what the vision is. No. So they're talking about the fact that he's going to have this great nation, that God's going to do all this marvelous things through Isaac Mm. and Isaac's descendants. He also promises here that the people will spend 400 years in slavery in Egypt. This is one thing that people miss a lot of times when they start talking about the Exodus is that God literally laid all of this out to Abraham in Genesis 17. This should not have been a surprise. Here's here's the game plan. Right. This should not not have been a surprise. It's not going to be fun. Now, he also tells them that he's going to bring them out and that God is going to bring about the first covenant of the Messiah, the covenant with Israel of a Messiah, the covenant of the fact that the nations will be blessed through Abraham, through the Messiah. And he makes this deal with Abram, this covenant deal, but there's, he has Abram go and he lays out a bull, a lamb, a pigeon, and I think a dove or something. It goes in size order and he slices them all in half. And so the blood is running down and this sounds gross and really confusing, but this is a normal covenant area it's saying if i break this then we if one of us breaks this covenant then let me look like this slice me in half and let my blood drain out Hmm. but then before they can walk through it god puts abram to sleep and abram has a dream that is described both as a pleasant dream and a nightmare and a giant pot that is smoking and on fire appears and walks through the separated out sacrifices. Now, why is that important? Because it's an example of, of Christ. It's a covenant related to Christ. Yeah. But who did not walk through the animals? Abram. Abraham doesn't do anything. God is saying, I'm going to do all of this and I'm going to do it myself. Hmm. Abram and Abraham and his descendants get all of the blessing. None of the work. God is going to do it all himself. 
And we know he does it all himself through Jesus, right? That's yeah. that's why you were not wrong when you said that. <laughs> the, and that's the why, Bible the Bible answer for right. Now. So that that covenant is a big one, but it's one that gets left out of covenants a lot of the time. And I don't know why, because the story is awesome in general. But you know, after that we have the law, right? Mm-hmm. Moses gets the law. That is now the the new standard for the covenant. You must keep the law and the sacrifices and the holy days. And then you might get righteousness. Then the next covenant is who? See if you can get this. The last of the Old Testament covenants is? Zechariah? David. David. Okay, that's who I was right? looking for instead of Daniel. That, right. That's... I figured that was the case. But, well, but I yeah, still yeah, said it wrong. Yeah, you still said it wrong. Yeah. And it was still some of a valid answer within the Old Testament. So, yeah, you got but <laughs> David, right? Mm-hmm. David is the one that is going to be king and his children will be king and his kingdom will be everlasting. And we know again that that is fulfilled through Jesus, right? Jesus is the son of David. Jesus is king. Jesus's kingdom is everlasting. It's all fulfilled. That is the end of Old Testament covenants. And then there's one more covenant, which is the new covenant. Mm-hmm. Which which we know as what? What do we call it? The new covenant is... I don't know what word you're specifically looking for. It's the Lord's Supper, right? This uh, is the new covenant in my blood. This is, gotcha. what, this is okay. what salvation looks like for us. Is that the covenant now is that we rely on Christ's work. Just like we saw in Genesis 17... We rely on Christ's work to save us. Mm -hmm. We trust in Christ's work to save us. And we celebrate that through remembrance of that sacrifice through the Eucharist, the communion, Lord's Supper, whatever name you want to give it. Mm -hmm. Those are all covenants. That's different than a promise. So what are some biblical promises? Uh, the well, the one because I was going to say it depending upon where it was a promise or covenant. So now that we've now that we've laid that out, there is no room for error. But no, there still is. Oh, the there is still yeah. The one in the New Testament would be of the promise of the Holy Spirit. Yes, the Great Commission, right? Yes. Go out, make disciples, baptize them. I'll be with you. Mm-hmm. The spirit going out. That That is a big part of a promise of God. You got any others with you? Um, I mean, there's a... Oh, sorry. I didn't give you your bell. Oh, there we go. I was waiting for that. <laughs> <laughs> I earned that one. <laughs> I mean, there's some certain verses of... Which could also be taken out of context, but like Jeremiah yes. 29, 11. Yes. For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in a future. Right. The promise part of that specifically is the hope in the future, right? Yes, of which is a little more challenging to right. put tangibles to in a way. Right. But that is a promise that God has said that if you you know you you have a hope in a future in him. That that was a promise that was given. Another one that's used out of context all the time, thank you, Christian nationalism and Cold War theology, uh, is... Well, there's a couple you, you could look at. Uh, well, yeah. John 14. 
Well, yes, but the, it's not the one I was going to right away. Jeremiah. Yeah. Well, that, that second Chronicles, and I lost the the chapter now. But if my people will humble themselves and pray, then I will hear, heal their land. Mm. That is taken out of context quite a bit in our context, but that is still a promise from God that when you humble yourselves and pray, God will hear you. Yeah. That is a promise, even when it's used incorrectly. Yes. The other big one that is used is do not fear for I am with you. That's not necessarily used out of context, but this is a big one. How many times do you think that shows up? That phrase, do not fear. I am with you. 42. 27. But yeah, it's used 27 times. This is a big promise that God repeats regularly. Do not fear. I am with you. Mm -hmm. And it's not just a promise. It's also a reminder because of the covenants. Yeah. This is a promise that if I'm going to fulfill my covenants, I have to be with you. So do not fear. And now there's one other big section of promises that we haven't talked about. And those are the... See if you can get it. Starts with a P. Old Testament. Mm. The prophets, right? Ah, They are promises. The prophecies are promises that this is what will come to pass. The prophets do not create new covenants. The prophets will testify about the the covenants that are coming. And the fulfillment of those covenants. But they themselves are making promises, not covenants. Mm -hmm. So we're going to take a quick break here. And then when we come back, we'll start talking about how we can know that God actually will do what he says he's going to. And what that means for us. We'll be right back. Season two of the Ministry Misfits podcast and our awesome theme song are brought to you by Laird Creative Agency. In our social media world, the next connection is always one click or scroll away and your business has to be ready when they find you. That's why Laird Creative is always looking for ways to step your brand up. Whether you're looking to overhaul your brand one time with a new website or want to save money by outsourcing your graphic and media content, Laird Creative Agency is here to help. Laird Creative's mission is to take the difficulty out of the creative process. With Laird Creative, you'll find a dedicated team of artists ready to tackle any creative need that your business has, big or small. If you're looking for an easier way to share the vision of your organization through thoughtful branding and creative content, find them at LairdCreativeAgency.com to get started. Mention the Ministry Misfits podcast and get a free consultation call. Laird Creative, step your brand up. Today is a great day to start your own podcast. Whether you're looking for a new marketing channel, have a message you want to share with the world, or just think it would be fun to have your own talk show, podcasting is an easy, inexpensive, and fun way to expand your online reach. Buzzsprout is hands down the easiest and best way to launch, promote, and track your podcast. Your show can be online listed on all major platforms within minutes of finishing your first recording. We just switched to Buzzsprout for Season 2 and have immediately noticed the difference. 
With Buzzsprout, you get a great-looking podcast website, audio players that you can drop into your websites, detailed analytics to see how people are listening, tools to promote your episodes, and more. Podcasting isn't hard when you have the right partners, and Buzzsprout and the Misfits want to help you get started. Contact us for a free consultation call, and then visit our affiliate link to get started with Buzzsprout. Using this link not only helps support the Misfits, but it also gets you a $20 Amazon gift card. The teams at Buzzsprout and Ministry Misfits are passionate about helping you succeed. Join over 100,000 podcasters already using Buzzsprout to get their message out to the world. To find out more, go to www.ministrymisfits.com backslash affiliates. We're back. All right, welcome back. We are still here. We are talking promises and covenants and confusing Brandon with the difference between the two. That's right. And we are going to now start talking about how we actually can know that God is actually going to keep the promises and the covenants that he has laid out. Mm Mm-hmm. So, Brandon, I have two sets of scripture that answer this question for us. But I want to see first what you would say. How do you know that God will keep his covenant, granted this side of heaven, new covenant, yeah, and his promises that he has made to you and to humanity as, uh, as general as that is? Yeah, well, I think as we talked about towards the beginning, it's looking at what God's promises and covenants are to take a look at. All right, if I'm going to figure out what he's keeping, I got to know what they are first. And then, I mean, the ones we kind of talked about with Noah, at least on the flooding of he's kept that up till now. So Mm -hmm. we don't know the, the rest of eternity, but up to this point. Still on good terms there. Um, well, and like we said before, also keeping these promises and covenants in proper context also is helpful with that as well, because we already talked about the fact that people try to use some of the promises to mean things that they don't actually mean. Hmm. Yeah. And so if we are actually going to trust that God is going to keep these things, knowing what they are and why they're there is a big piece of understanding that it's God's going to keep them. Yes. And also seeing who the promises are for. Right. It's the other big portion too. Yes. Jeremiah 29, 11 is not for you. It's for the, he, the Hebrews in Babylon. (laughs) Yes. So one, the context of who the promise is for is big. And also for us as believers, sometimes the promises for us as, followers of Christ mm-hmm. as well. Um, so all, all that to wrap up and say context is important as always, but then I don't want to say putting it to the test, but almost evaluating where God has revealed those promises to us individually to show those truths to be true in different ways. So how is he with me always? How, um, has he, has he given up his son for me to cover my sins? Like, what does that look like in that grace and forgiveness um, that truly defines our relationship with Jesus? 
uh, to be, because otherwise that that promise completely gets rid of our faith altogether. And there was the word. You just used one of the words, faith, right? Mm -hmm. That's a big piece of all of this. Yes. Because if you don't have faith in that God exists, his promises mean nothing. Yes. If you don't have faith that his word remains true, his promises are nothing. So faith is a big part of it. So that's Hebrews 11, right? Faith is being certain of what is hoped for. Mm. And now we have certainty, assurance of things that we hope are there. So we are already, in, by having faith, we are trusting the assurance that God has given us. But beyond that, it's not just a faith in the promises. Because what we see throughout Hebrews 11, with all of the different stories in there, is that you have all of these Old Testament Old Covenant characters that are said to have their faith had proved them righteous. Now, how does that work when we know that the New Covenant says that you're only saved through the blood of Jesus mm -hmm. and through his sacrifice? How can you be saved before Jesus comes just by having faith in the covenants? Say that one more time. So... Old Testament, yep. we've got, we've yeah, got was, that list of the, the covenants, law. Yeah. right? We've got yeah. the list of the covenants. Mm -hmm. Genesis 3, there's a Messiah coming yeah. that's going to save everybody. Seth is the line in which it's going to come. Mm -hmm. Noah's family is a representation of God is going to keep a remnant alive. Abram, we know, is going where, you know, Abram is the line from which it's going to come. God is going to do it himself. The law represents sin compared to righteousness. And then you've got even, we know that David specifically out of Abraham and Seth's line and Noah and Seth's lines are the, is the line from which we now need to focus. We know where he's coming. We know what he's going to do. We even can tell throughout the, the prophets, the promises where he's going to show up all of that. But how does, just having that before Jesus comes, how is that enough to provide somebody with righteousness? It's that hope of, of a new coming that uh, Jesus will fulfill the old law um, and create a new covenant. It's not, it's goes beyond hope. This is a, it's the faith side of it, which is a little bit yeah, stronger yes, than hope yes. because faith is an assurance. This will happen. And so if Abram believed fully that what God said will happen, that the Messiah is coming through his line, his faith already is in that Messiah. Hmm. This is why in John 8, Jesus tells the people, Abraham looked to my day and rejoiced. Abraham saw me. Because it was laid out in the covenant and laid out in the individual promises that were a part of that covenant, Abram knew 100% without a doubt that nothing he did could save him, that only what God was going to do would. Yeah. Which is way more than we ever want to ever talk about when we talk about just having faith. Yeah. Because when we talk about having faith, it's just, oh, stand on the promises and, you know, God knows the future. God knows your plans. 
you know, whatever, you know, I can do all things. That is not what we're talking about. We're talking about the reality that the covenants of God that we see in the Old Testament were enough to show us what was coming. And that because we saw God fulfill the old covenants, we know because of faith and because we have seen what God has done already. He'll do it again. That he's going to do it again so we can trust this new covenant as well. Now, the other side of this is one that's a little bit more simple, which is Numbers 23, 19. It says, God is not a man who lies or a son of man who changes his mind. Does he speak and not act or promise and not fulfill? Pretty straightforward reasoning as to why you should probably trust God. Yeah. (laughs) He doesn't lie. He's not a man. He's not a politician. If he says it, it's going to happen. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. He doesn't make false prophets. Right. So that alone should be enough. (laughs) But if that is not enough reason, what you already said about we've seen him do it before through these covenants, through his promises, we know he will do it again. Mm Mm-hmm. Now, the other whole area that we need to get into now is that is the promises of God, the covenants of God. What about the promises and covenants that we try to make with God? (laughs) Yeah, this is kind of where it all stemmed from a little bit. And I don't know for yourself, but I think we could probably all say at one point in time where we've had that promise or conversation with God where it's like, all right, Jesus, if I can just do this, if you can just help me pass this test or win this game or complete this task, then I'll do this for you. I'll I'll, I'll never stop following you or I'll do this. Right. It's bargaining, right? Yes, it's a bargaining chip of if you do this, then I will do this. And, um, and really, if it's a bargain, bargaining situation, you are making a covenant. Right. If you do this, I will do this. Yeah. How off? First of all, is there any biblical stories to where that actually is okay that we've seen it happen? Where we've see, seen this it, this whole thing of where it's it, to okay God, to make where the you, a, a biblical story, a biblical example of where we see somebody saying, "If you do this, I will do this." And God actually doing it. I know we have. I know we have. <laughs> the biggest one that I always go to. <laughs> I was would like, be I can't come to mind. <laughs> Hannah, Hannah, and Samuel. Right? Hannah is barren. She's praying in the temple so much that Eli thinks she's drunk, and she is praying to God, "If you give me a son, I will give him back to you." Mm-hmm. And because of her faith is why it is granted. Mm -hmm. Not because she has just struck a deal and signed the line with God, but because she had the faith that God would do this. And so because God would do this, she is going to give him back. Yeah. And she fulfilled. And she fulfilled it. Her side of the promise. Now we have also seen other areas where we know that people do not fulfill their promises. Yeah. And depending on who they are, decides what happens afterwards. The higher level, the the kings and people that have done it, it did not end up good for them. Some of the people that were not as, there was not as much expected out of them, Mm -hmm. 
wasn't good that they did this, but they did not see their lives end because of it. Yeah. You know, Ananias and Sapphira, they broke their promise to the church and to God. They lied to the spirit, right? They said, we gave all of our money. We didn't keep any behind. Mm -hmm. Their promise was we're going to give it all. But Peter makes it clear when he goes to them that if they had just acknowledged they were keeping some of it, God would not have struck them down. He may not have been quite, you know, the whole disappointment thing we talked about (laughs) a few weeks ago. Disappointment, maybe, but not punishment. Yeah. But because they lied about breaking their promise. It becomes a sin. Now they are struck down. Yeah. You know, Saul made a covenant with God as king as to what he would do. And one of those things was he was not going to overstep his bounds and violate the sacrifices and the holy days and everything else. He was supposed to be the keeper of the covenants and keeper of the law, not the defiler of them. But then when he gets impatient for Samuel to arrive before battle and he goes and sacrifices anyway, God strips him of his title and also says that he strips him of his empowerment of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is taken away. Mm. Because he violated the covenant that allowed him to carry the spirit in the first place. You know, so there there are major problems with bargaining. There are also there are also some not so bad problems of bargaining. Here's the question though, Brandon. Is salvation a bargaining covenant between us and God? I don't think it's no. I don't think it's one that we can bargain with why no not bargain with but it's a bargain for so we are saying that if god forgives our sins then we will do this hmm. um well first i'm going to start with the verse that kind of came to mind which is romans six twenty three: uh, for the wages of sin is death but the gift of god is eternal life in christ jesus our lord so part of that is realizing that <laughs> again from adam and eve from that stem down of we we are sinful in nature and are fallen, so I feel like that there's no there's no bargaining there on that part. Um, but I guess as far as the eternal life, I think it's just an acceptance of God's gift. It's not a I get you get. It's almost just a receive. <laughs> now there's obviously expectations that God still has for us as, as believers. Fine kind print. Of, <laughs> yeah. Like you said, with the, the great commission and other things that we see in James, but I see it as it's more of a receive versus a, all right, you get this, I get this. And this is where it gets really complicated and really fun, depending on what lane of theology you normally sit in. Now, the fun thing for us as misfits is that we don't sit in any particular lane. Not even in the carpool lane. Not even in the carpool lane. Although we could today because you actually showed up. We got two of us. So, (laughs) uh, but you know, the, the whole thing is this idea of salvation is a gift. You know, we receive as a free gift from God. Mm -hmm. But we also know that Christ expects us to take up our cross and follow after him. Yeah. Christ expects us to go and make disciples. Christ expects us to make him king. 
all of these different things fall in. So is it a bargaining tool of where if I serve you, then I get salvation? Or is it somewhere in the middle? (laughs) I guess probably somewhere in the middle because... God has those expectations for us, but with anything, he has expectations for us. And as we all know, all have fallen short, uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And so that expectation he has for us, we can't fully achieve the holiness until we are reunited again in Christ, which is faith. Um, Well, go. We'll, we'll simplify this down a little bit because this is part of what is fun for me to watch as somebody that really, that says both Calvinist and Arminius are both crazy is that, and I'm sure we're going to get plenty of comments from that one, but you know, this is the fun part is that if we pull out again, the political side of this, the, cause within, within Christianity, really the two main parties now are Calvinists and Arminians. That, that really is what it is. But when we actually pull it out and look in terms of what we've talked about today, if we look at things as far as these are the covenants God set forth, this is what the new covenant is. These are the promises that came in between them with the prophets. And now again, with the apostles and the fact that we were promised that the spirit would indwell us and empower us and all these different things. Is that we know that salvation itself was some the act of salvation was something that only could be done covenant wise by God himself. Hmm. This is Genesis 17 again. We were not part of the deal. God intentionally knocked us out so that he we knew who we would fail because <laughs> we were going to fail. Abram was not expect Abraham was not expected to do anything because God knew he wasn't going to be able to do it. Yeah. As great as Abraham was, he still was not going to do well. God makes the covenant with himself to fulfill all of these other covenants that came before Abraham. And he makes that covenant in himself that he's going to fulfill the covenants coming after by himself as well. How is the law fulfilled? It is through Christ, not through man. It is through Christ. Mm -hmm. Christ fulfills the law because Christ is the only one that it can, because God made that covenant with himself. So salvation itself is, is a free gift. That's why we have it. The bargaining side of this is where we get into the, well, what about the idea of faith without works? Mm -hmm. All these other things. So, Brandon, the next question with this then is, is salvation available to everyone? Yes. Yes. Even though we already know there are people that are going to disagree with us on that one. So, right, this is, we see this throughout most of the New Testament. Christ died once for all. Mm Mm-hmm. Christ died so that all might live. You know, he was risen the third day so that we will rise with him. All of those sort of things is pictures of this is a once for all. The covenants back going to Genesis 3 where we had the curses, that covenant that these curses will be reversed, 
has been fulfilled. There is no death no longer has a hold on humanity as a whole. However, does God necessarily then grant eternal life and righteousness to everyone? No. No. Because salvation is for those who believe. Mm -hmm. Those that accept that. Accept the gift and that have faith in the covenants. Mm -hmm. Specifically, the final covenant. The covenant that Christ died once for all. That Christ is the one that did it and he did it by himself. And now he offers it to us freely if we accept it. Mm -hmm. And so when we start, this is why these things are actually important from a theology standpoint. Is that when we actually just look at these things for what they are. It turns some of these super complex debated things into a much easier to handle area of understanding within soteriology. Salvation comes through Christ alone. Everybody within Christianity agrees with that. Whether it's faith alone for everyone, or you know, everyone can get it or not, it's debated between Calvin and Arminian. But if the covenant has been fulfilled, then salvation is available to everyone. Yeah. <laughs> if the covenant has been fulfilled and Christ did it himself because that was what the original covenant in Genesis 17 was all about anyway, mm-hmm. then it's not by works. So then the works side of this comes in at the fact of we then have to trust that that covenant actually is true. And the case, and that we no longer have to rely on the law Mm. as covenant to get us righteousness. It's not a simple thing because it is still theology and you still got to track and trace and all this kind of stuff. But it's not as complicated either as we like to make it a lot of the time. Because if we actually trust that what we are reading is true and that God's covenants have been fulfilled, then we know what we can expect. Mm -hmm. And we also know that if God is the one saying it, that because of the fact that he is not a man who lies or a son of man who changes his mind, he does not speak, he does, does not speak and not act or promise and not fulfill. He will fulfill the promises. So if God says that, if you believe in me, you will see the Father. That if you trust in me, then you will receive salvation. If you pick up your cross and follow after me, you will be my disciple. He's going to hold that to be true. He's going to hold it to be true. Now, this does lead us into one other area of this whole thing, because we already said that salvation is not really a bargain. Mm-mm. Salvation is about a covenant that God did himself and that we are trusting in. Now, the fun part for us, what do we do then with the fact that we are called as ministers of the gospel? Is this a covenant? that God is making with us or is this something that God is promising us or is this something completely different? If God has called me into ministry, Mm. 
Is this a covenant that God is I'm making with God that I'm going to do this and that he's going, that he's doing it too? Or is this just a promise that God is saying that, or is this something all, all completely different, unrelated? Yeah, that's tricky. Part of it is I think being attuned with the Holy spirit and hearing and listening to what he is speaking uh, of that calling to know where it might be. Like you said, whether it's, all right, is this what I'm supposed to do as far as being a minister? Is this supposed to what I'm do as far as being a father or mother um, or a certain job calling there, which we talked about previously? Well, and before we, you did, I forgot to write this out. That is another important piece of this. The, the father, mother, husband, wife thing. The, the vows that are given in a Christian wedding ceremony. And there's a reason we say it specifically a Christian wedding ceremony, because that's different. And this is not from a political standpoint, different. This is a biblical standpoint. A Christian wedding is different from a state wedding, right? Mm -hmm. You would agree with that, right? Yes. Is the vow a promise or a covenant between the two people on the stage? Covenant. Why? Um, you're making that commitment between not only your husband and wife, but also with God, because he's the one that's jointing two or three of you together, however you want to kind of look at it, um, which goes beyond just the state signing the paper saying, yep, these two on paper. Are... They agreed to agree on yeah, this. Yeah, they get tax, <laughs> they get tax benefits. <laughs> yeah, that that is the big difference. This is why marriage within the church is an actual big deal, not just from the patriarchy people. is because marriage is a covenant. It's a representation of the covenant of what God did with Israel, what Christ does to his church. It is a legal agreement between two parties and God. Mm-hmm. The vows that we say to our wives, we are also saying as a promise to God that we also are expecting God to keep us accountable and provide us the ability to keep what we are saying. Yeah. And with the public. Right. And then the congregation around us. Yeah. Of our friends, family, whomever might be there to also say, hold me accountable. You've seen me and my wife and God making this covenant. So, and it's the same thing. Also, this is why, you know, now, again, depending on your denomination, you may get mad at us with this. But this is also the whole reason why it's great when churches do the baby dedications. Because it's not a covenant between the baby and God that they are now saved. Mm-hmm. It's a covenant between the family and the church family and God over all of them. That the parents will rely on the church for support and help and that the church is going to provide the family with support and help to bring up this child in the way they should go. And so that means if the church is seeing that the parents are not upholding that part of the agreement, that the church is responsible to say something now. When we say that, we're saying that in a discipleship setting, not doing what they're supposed to be doing. We're not saying that you have a problem with them using a certain brand of diapers. You need to call them out because <laughs> unfortunately, I know that does happen. That's not what we're talking about. 
We are talking about when a church sees parents doing things that are hindering the spiritual growth of a child. The church that took this oath to God to help raise this child up is responsible to go and try and say, what do you need to be able to get us back where we need to be? Mm-hmm. And now we're back to the disagreement talks. Yeah. That same sort of thing, though, is related to this whole idea of the ministry side of things. Because somebody that is commissioned to go out and minister, they are are ordained. That sort of thing happens in the same sort of setting. It's not done in private. It's done in the presence of witnesses within the church. And the church is saying that we see that this person has the calling and the giftings and that he is supposed to go out and do this. The covenant side of ministry is made between the minister and the people that are commissioning. It's not necessarily a covenant between that person and God, Mm. although it is because that's how we get, we trust our salvation, right? Yeah. And if you're not saved, you're not going to be a good minister. (laughs) We have, unfortunately, plenty of examples of that as well. But instead, what the minister is doing is holding on to the promise of what Christ has said. Mm -hmm. If you take up your cross and follow me, if you go and make disciples, if you rely on the spirit to be what empowers you, you will be able to do this. Yeah, the challenging part is, as you well know, is the timeline of that promise too. Of, Which it all looks different as well. Yes. The t- there is no, there is no example you can go and look back of, Oh, well this is what it's supposed to look like timeline wise. Cause yeah. that it does not exist. Yeah. And that's probably what the most challenging part and where faith gets tested of, all right, God, does my promise start in 10 days? Does it start in 10 years? Right. And then how long am I supposed to, and so do said ministry. That's why it's important for us to understand what it is that God actually is promising mm-hmm. those that he has called. And so we see we see a few things here. One of them is that he promises that he will actually equip us for what he is calling us into. This is out of Romans 8, Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12, Hebrews thir- Hebrews 13. The spirit gives us our giftings and our callings and our convictions. But the Spirit also is the one that gives us our giftings and gives us the peace that we talked about, all those sort of things. The Spirit is the one that convicts and equips and calls. Mm-hmm. And so if he, if the Spirit is the one that's calling us, he is also the one capable of equipping us to do it. That is a promise that we have in Scripture. We already said, he says it multiple times, but he says it specifically to those that he calls out. In Matthew 28, he says that he'll be with us, right? We just said that within the Great Commission. I'll be with you till the end of the age. Mm -hmm. That was a promise that was made by Christ to the people that he has set apart to go out and spread the gospel. He will be with us because his spirit will be with us. We're, We're also promised that he will care for us. We see this in Matthew 5. Or maybe it's seven. I can't remember. In the Sermon on the Mount, we see it. We see it within the story of the Good Shepherd, right? The Good yeah, Shepherd Psalm cares 23. for his sheep. Yeah. 
We see it in Psalm 23. We see this in Matthew 10 when he tells them to go out. He tells them not to worry about what they're carrying with them because it will be provided for them on their journey. Philippians 4, we talked about this when we talked peace of the idea of Paul is telling the people that he has learned to be content because he knows that God will provide him with what is needed to continue on with the mission. 1 Corinthians 9, it's the same sort of thing as far as, you know, he's telling the people you need to be providing for your pastors because God's going to provide it one way or the other, but you need to make it easier on them to be able to minister to you. God is going to care for those he calls. He's not going to leave them stranded somewhere just because they followed him. Mm-hmm. He is going to empower them. You know, this is second Timothy one, as far as God doesn't give us a spirit of fear. He gives us a spirit of power and love mm-hmm. and, and everything like that. He also promises that he is going to sustain us, not just physically. We already talked that, but spiritually he will sustain us. He will provide us with a great cloud of witnesses in Hebrews 12 to help us go. That's why the covenant side is so important, but that also Christ is the one that sustains our faith. So we don't have to, we don't have to fear that we are going to lose it. Mm -hmm. And again, good shepherd, he provides the needs. He lays down them in safe places, all those sort of things. But then he also promises that everybody's going to hate us. (laughs) Matthew five, Matthew 10 and multiple other places throughout scripture. Right. Mm -hmm. Even though he's going to equip us and be with us and care for us and empower us and sustain us and all these different things. The world will hate you. The world will hate us and make it difficult for us. Yeah. That's a promise that God has made. (laughs) And again, it's for what you do in my name. Yes. Because it's not not us that they hate. Not just because they hate you to hate you. (laughs) Right. It's not us that they hate. They hate who they're seeing. The one that is with us. The actual fulfiller of the covenant is who they hate. But because of the fact that we bear his mark and that we are striving after that and we are striving to become more like him the world is going to hate us in the same way Mm -hmm. now the other side of this is what god does not promise us any ideas of what is not promised to us when we are called and we need to just make sure we say this i guess for lack of better terms like this world would be the I'll say like biblical term, but like the riches of this world or the prompt. Yeah. Wealth, prosperity. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, The wealth is one of them. Yes. Yeah. Of. Yeah. I'm just trying to say the, the things that the world promises. Yeah. Which would be. Yeah. Wealth is typically the biggest one. Um, What kind of, kind of this, this do whatever happiness would be. One that's not really specific. Because what is promised to us, not happiness, we are promised joy, joy, which is completely different. Mm -hmm. And maybe we'll do that one of these days. Yeah. (laughs) Have joy or talk about it. Both. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Just kind of this do whatever you want mentality too of the freedom. Yes. Of yeah. Lawlessness, even though we have that in Christ, but we understand it through the covenants, right? We Mm -hmm. understand that we are not attached to the law, but we also understand what comes with not being attached to the law by ourselves. Mm -hmm. That's death. Yeah. And we see by living with the spirit, this 
this is how you should walk. And by not walking in the spirit, it's, you'll be more right. living by the world. Uh, so those are some of the bigger ones that right. come to you mind. Know, wealth and prosperity, prosperity gospel. Mm-hmm. That right there is not promised. That's why we have very blatantly said multiple times that that's heresy, not gospel. I guess health could be another one too. Health is another one. Ease of life, right? Yeah. You know, we our life will be easy. Simplicity. There you go. The other one, power is not promised to mm. us. Even though we already said we are empowered by the spirit. But there are two areas of power that are not promised, but that lately especially is being preached that they are. One of those power things is that you just because you are called does not mean that you are suddenly empowered to do miracles or speaking in tongues or any of the grander gifts. Does it mean that they don't happen? No. Does it mean that you are going to be able to do them because you are now called out? Also, no. God, the spirit gifts as he sees fit for the building up of the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So if everybody, you know, this is first Corinthians 13, right? If everybody speaks in tongues, it's just a bunch of loud noises and clanging symbols. You know, this is what we see in 12 and 14. Also the idea of, you know, if everybody's an eye, you're not getting anywhere. (laughs) That's not a very good body. So just because. We are promised that we will be empowered by the spirit does not mean that we suddenly are able to do all these great wondrous things. And I'm using the word wondrous as the key there. You will do great things if you are empowered, Mm -hmm. but it may not involve you raising somebody from the dead or suddenly being able to understand every word of the dance of the cucumber. So, you know, that's that's one area of this. That was a stretch there. <laughs> it's in Spanish. I know. I can't. I have no idea what they're saying. <laughs> so that's one area of power. The other area of power that is not promised is earthly power. Shout out to our friends that are trying to promote all the Christian nationalism crap. There is nowhere in scripture where we are promised or that it is covenanted to us that we will receive any kind of political or state power on this earth. Mm -hmm. In fact, it's actually promised that we won't, right? The world will hate us. This idea that because Christ is king of kings, which he is, that Christ is sitting at the right hand of the father now, which he is, that Christ is the one, he says it himself, that all authority is given on heaven and on earth to me, that has happened. That is part of the fulfillment of the covenant going back to Genesis 3, Mm -hmm. that we have nothing to do with. Yeah. We cause there to be a need for the covenant. We don't get the benefit of that part of the covenant. Christ has all authority and power and strength. What he has told us to do as his church is we have the authority here on earth to do the will of the father, which is to go out and make disciples. Mm -hmm. Love God, love other people. Love God, love other people. Not build up kingdoms for ourselves here. Mm Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, because our sin will always get in the way and <laughs> ruin anything. Well, I shouldn't say ruin anything that God has planned because God's will right. will always Well, it is in a way, prevail. it is ruining it. Because even when God's will is pro when God's will prevails in the midst of us messing up, it's not nearly as sweet as when we are able to see God's plan come about in the way that God had intended designed it, it and yeah. designed it for it to happen in the first place. Yeah. Because it's so, I mean, this is, this is literally the entire story of the old Testament. How much better would it have been for David to be able to birth the line of the Messiah if he had not assaulted Bathsheba? Mm-hmm. Because by him going and doing that, one of his top generals and friends is killed by David's hand. And even the child that is born out of his attack dies. Now, the plan still unfolds. Everything still happens. You know, David loves his son and loves Bathsheba by the end of it. And Bathsheba seems to love David back by the end of it. All of these things work out the way that God has planned it out. But how much sweeter it would have been if David had not had to do it that way. Mm-hmm. See, I'd listened. If Sarah had not jumped the gun and handed Hagar off to Abraham, how much sweeter would it have been for all of them? You know, you know how much different the geopolitical <laughs> world would be right now if Sarah had not done that. Yeah. Just because we screw it up doesn't mean God's plan isn't going to take place. But correct, it doesn't mean because again, God's promise is always fulfilled. Mm-hmm. God's promises will be fulfilled. That's what is going to happen. There is no doubts there. How it happens is a whole nother story. So, I think we're out of time for this one. Let us know what you think. We promise we'll listen. Um, we <laughs> yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like that yeah. I, you, you looked at first, prom- like you missed it. Yeah. <laughs> Not promise or respond promise. Right. <laughs> yeah. Which by the way, Facebook, if you're, if you're one of our normal Facebook people and you've been commenting on anything, I have no idea. Cause Facebook changed the way that we receive notifications. And yesterday I saw that we had like 35 unread notifications and messages on our Facebook page. So really? sorry about that. Huh. We're, we're, I'm trying to figure out what Facebook is doing because there's a lot of people that are having that issue at the moment. But if you have tried to contact us, we aren't ignoring you. We just didn't know you existed. So sorry. Um, but yes. So <laughs> let us know what you think. <laughs> we will eventually get around to seeing it once we figure out where they've been hidden. Um, let us know what you think in other ways as well, such as uh, giving bah, us ratings bah. on um, Apple, Spotify, Good Pods. Yep, wherever you remember that. Google, I think, is the other one. You can leave reviews. Facebook, you can leave reviews, all of those good things. Um, you can also contact us through the website, ministrymisfits.com. Um, I believe it's the tab that says contact, but I can't remember if that's actually the, the title that we gave it or not. Um, Probably right. We'll go with it. Um in the meantime, though, uh, you can still support us also. Yeah, um, the, our Patreon page. Yeah, patreon.com backslash Mystery Misfits. We're, uh, we're, I'm still waiting for that debate of the forward slash bet. 
slash backslash. Oh yeah, I but, keep forgetting to post it. Yeah. yeah. So, but we do have different levels on there. Anyway, we're from five dollars, ten dollars, twenty dollars to being a full misfit yourself for a hundred dollars yes. a month to continue uh, supporting us and our ministry here. And now also we want we do need to hear from you because we've had a few requests for us to do a separate line of misfits media. That works, right? Yeah, Misfits yeah. Media. Yeah. Um, that would probably have to be run through Patreon, and we would probably make it at like a $3 entry type of thing, of actually doing a more Misfits-style Bible study. So not like what we just did here, something where we actually would start walking through a book or a book of the Bible or a specific set of passages and actually walk through more in a Bible study type setting of what that is. We'd probably do it live with people, everything like that. So if you are interested in something like that, let us know. Um, either you can message us, you can email us, you can let us know on the website. You can just go sign up for Patreon and then message us through that as well. All of those different things, because that's something that we potentially would be able to do if yeah. there's enough interest. Yeah. And I think it would probably be just getting it off the ground. And then as the group goes, seeing what, seeing where we what, go with it. <laughs> well, yeah. That and what, what the needs are. of Yes. All right. Do we go through, like you said, a certain book or book of the Bible and how, do, how does that play out? We've had one we request. This? We have had one request to do Daniel, which I already have curriculum written for that. We've also had another request for, um, oh, what was it? Now I don't remember. There was another request also, and I don't... Oh, somebody wanted us to actually walk through Jeremiah because I had posted the other the other month or so about that. So there are some requests already out there, but um, you know we'll figure that all out once we actually figure <laughs> out if people actually want it or if it's just Brother Matthew over and over and over again. <laughs> um, the other thing to, be, to watch out for this next week or so is that we do have um, one or two blogs that will be coming out related to the conversation we had with Dr. Linville last week. Um, dealing with discipleship and Timothy relationships and everything like that. Um, in the meantime, also, the like we said, the merch store is still up. All the Tikva options are still there as well. Go check those out so we can continue to support Tikva. Yeah. Fantasy football is in full swing. Yeah, how's your team doing? I'm in second at the moment. Well, there you go. I jumped from last to second because Lamar Jackson did like 90 <laughs> points the like, other week. Yeah. So... Um, while Brandon figures out where he's at, because now he's like looking a, a little I think concerned, I'm like six or something. So not yeah. bad out of twenty. Yeah, I yeah. Now we just got the the team to beat right now is reigning champion Dwight McDowell and Marriage Map. So as long as we knock him down a few pedestals here over the next few weeks, we're all going to be okay. <laughs> so in the meantime, we'll see you all next week. The Ministry Misfits podcast is a production of Ministry Misfit Media in association with Overwhelming Victory. Dr. Greg Linville and Andrew Fouts are our executive producers, and Brandon Simmons is associate producer. The Ministry Misfits theme song is written and produced by J.D. Laird and Laird Creative Agency. If you'd like to get in touch with us, you can email us at ministrymisfitmedia at gmail.com or by following at Ministry Misfit on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. You can also visit our website at www.ministrymisfits.com or through bio.link backslash ministrymisfits. If you would like to support Ministry Misfits, you can become a patron by going to patreon.com backslash ministrymisfits. <laughs>